again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me from our Southwest offices in sunny New Mexico is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Happy to be coming from the uh, Horizon League Southwest office here with all right. You can find Matt on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. You can find links to all of our social accounts at HorizonRoundtable.com slash subscribe. Become a patron at Patreon.com slash HorizonRoundtable. And of course, be sure to subscribe to us where podcasts are found. And Matt, I guess first of all, uh, I see you finally settled into New Mexico. Settled in might be a bit of a, a stretch, but we're here. We're good. Life's okay. So once again, we are getting our usual wave of previews during this time of year, which coming up in two weeks will include our own preview week. So you don't want to miss that. Um, Also, become a patron. Uh, You'll get early access to those things. So definitely do that. But last week, uh, the Almanac came out and it's bigger than ever. Uh, So we had to bring on one of the authors of a good chunk of the Horizon League previews, Matt Cox, of the Three Men Weave, back to the podcast. So Matt, thank you once again for joining us and welcome back. Absolute pleasure, gentlemen. The horizon is no longer on the horizon. It's here. It's arrived. Happy to chop it up with you, boys. How uh, how goes it on this fine football Sunday? I'm talking about basketballs. <laughs> yeah, I would prefer to talk about that, too. I don't actually know what's happening outside of that little uh, silo of mine. So, yeah, let's do that. Let's stick with that sport. Screw football. Yeah. So... A couple of questions I had. First of all, this year, the Almanac, I mentioned the Almanac being bigger. And by bigger, I mean, you guys decided we're not going to go with the whole, I'm going to put together a PBF and, you know, send it out to everybody. You guys have a whole website with this thing now, cbbalmanac.com. How did that come about? Did you guys decide, we got so much stuff, we got, it can't just fit into one PDF and, you know, it's going to take forever to download? Yeah, well, twofold there. We had a, uh, first of all, I think we looked at this year as somewhat unique in terms of, you know, talking with, uh, with you know, Jeff Goodman has, has been talking with coaches all summer. He felt like he's on his phone 24-7. Just like all of the intel he was getting about how slow the NCAA waiver decisions were coming through and how many guys, obviously Horizon, huge, like actually a couple big waiver dominoes, like how late in the process those would be decided. So we wanted to actually go with something that we could update, you know, after the official release, not in like a let's change our rankings around, make ourselves look smart in February or, or March, like Chad Ford, but like more of a let's keep it as up to date and as and as, you know, relevant as possible. So that was sort of the initial um, reason for trying to make it more online, dynamic, updatable. But then we also had kind of a a design uh, a reshuffle behind the scenes where we kind of had to put it together ourselves as opposed to relying on a third party. And we had some experience with WordPress. So we kind of, the best of both worlds came together there. I am an old school analog guy. I was pushing hard for the, um, the hard copy, but printing is a disaster. Um, I, I, we actually talked to blue ribbon who is, I guess, you know, a, a competitor of ours theoretically, sure. but we, we were, you know, we're close to them. I think they're awesome. I buy blue ribbon every year. I would advise buying it again if you're a diehard hoop fan, but they had some issues with their printing operation. They've been doing this thing for, you know, decades. So we ended up just keeping it online, but you know, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of the old dino who's, you know, going through each page or each team preview and just kind of archiving it as my own uh, PDF copy here. Um, But, but yeah, I think as I've gotten, you know, now that I've put all the work into making it, now I've actually got to use the final product. I actually love it in the website. I'm curious what everyone thinks, both you guys and, and others who, who purchase it because we're looking to sort of 
like we've had two guinea pig years now so hopefully volume three next year is we kind of settle on a final format that everyone likes and that's sort of the meets you know meets everyone in the middle in terms of what they want you know the you one know thing i noticed oh go ahead, Sorry, go ahead matt no okay, you first uh, matt. the one the one thing i noticed getting into this year that i give you guys a lot of credit for um was it just the the seeming media blitz of it like you couldn't not know that that the almanac was coming and like if you weren't going to be reading it and you like college basketball you felt like you're you were missing out and i think you guys did a really nice job of making it just like a, a must must have for college basketball season yeah i hope we didn't like make people feel worse about themselves if they didn't buy it like they're now like they've been shamed into buying it but uh yeah no we've been pretty aggressive as someone hey, who nothing wrong with peer pressure Right, exactly. Twist arms until, uh, you know, don't actually break arms off. But I, I've, I'm not one to use Twitter very often. I don't really like providing my thoughts publicly. But um, for this cause, I, I've tried to be at least a, a team player in that regard. But yeah, we have been pretty heavily marketing it. So I, I just care that it's a good product. So I hope people find value in it. And again, I, I keep harping on this. for I've, I've gone on a couple other podcasts. The WCC podcast uh earlier last week and I, I'll, I'll keep banging the drum of if there's anything you don't like or you would prefer to see in the future tell us dm us message us reply to us on twitter um or uh or yeah or dm us behind the scenes uh and also if you find any mistakes or errors i've already found uh, a couple on my own i had the wcc and i think i had st mary's gym uh, as 19,000 capacity i've had a few other like name inconsistencies stuff like that so Anything that's like, you know, pretty egregious, please, again, reach out. It's sort of another reason why we did the website. You know, it's not final, but we, you know, we have everyone go through and write, you know, the previews. We have two reviews and edits for everyone and including all the conference pages. But even that, we're not going to catch everything. So, again, tell us. We will make the change. We want this to be as accurate and as up to date as possible. Sure. Well, you know what I find ironic is that you change to this website format, which is pretty much exactly what we do for preview week ourselves every year. Um, and by the way, um, in full di- the, in the interest of full disclosure, Matt, we actually uh, kind of ripped you guys off because you guys talk ha- included the coaches' quotes in there. We're going to do the same thing with our previews now, so um, I- I- I'm thankful and apologetic at the same time. No, Tony, uh, everyone bites for everyone. I think like there's just a look the other way in terms of copycatting, formatting. We bit from other people, other people bit from other people before them. There's only so much wiggle room of creativity when you're previewing college basketball, right? Like, it's tough to really, you know, do something distinctly different. And I think all the fans love the coaching sure. quotes. Like, there's, well, 75% of them are kind of fluff and and cliche nonsense. And you'll see that with, like, the, the main headliner coach quotes in ours. I think there's always one or two in every write-up that we have that was, like, unique to our publication. Or, you know, every quote that you guys get in your preview series that was, like, only can't be said that to you guys and so i think you know fans will you know fans have their own opinions on players and how good they'll be and the projections and all that stuff but i think they there's no there's unanimous value on the yes i want to know one extra nugget that the coach said that may have tipped off you know a guy that looks like he might be better than we think he is or a, a, a stylistic tweak that might be coming or just a general mindset about the team or you know they just like hearing what the coach has to say in general right because the coaches aren't exactly in front of cameras on microphones 24-7. So, yeah, no, you have my full permission to copycat, as we have probably copycatted five other sure. publications before us. What a novel concept. Talk to the coaches about their yeah. teams getting into the season. Einsteinian-type stuff, yeah. I know. Look at us. Wow, just like yeah, world-beaten. Yeah, I think the other thing, I think the other reason kind of why we changed that up for this season is because we have we have so many 
coaches in this conference that are awesome. I, I don't know. I understand why we wouldn't want to talk to them. Yeah. Um, we've had nearly uh, we've had most of these coaches on the podcast. I mean, good example, Sundance Wicks. I mean, <laughs> if you hear him anywhere, you know why you need to have him on wherever he is. I can't keep up with his. Uh, I, I think Sundance in a in a later like maybe if coaching doesn't work out for him, I think there will be like elementary schools or high schools that hire him to post all like the motivational quotes on like the school hallways, you know, and like half are cliche, but half are like, oh wow, that's actually pretty cool. I didn't think about that way. Like he just he can rattle them off like like clockwork. Um, oh yeah. And it's funny because if you didn't know anything about, about his background, I, I would tend to like sort of. You know that would kind of rub me the wrong way. As someone that's like, I, I get my, I get very porcupiney about coach speaking cliche stuff. Like I, I try and find like stuff that actually matters. Uh, but I think he's a razor sharp dude, as as you can clearly tell if you talk to him for more than five minutes. Um, and it's funny he could, yeah, he comes into a league that already had a cast of characters from a personality, mm-hmm. quotable perspective. Um, and yeah, we were saying before we talked, I think this is maybe my favorite. There's a reason I've covered this league for five straight years, dating back to our three man weave site before we kind of teamed up with uh with goodman and dowser for the almanac publication like i've always hogged this league because all these coaches and all these programs are just very interesting to me even before i was talking to them all the quotes i'd read about in the offseason from you guys largely um from other just like local papers because most of these you know teams are in cities with you know some decent coverage locally you get like you know one or two uh, i'm They're sorry all- i gotta laugh i uh, you know because you know cleveland <laughs> yeah you know Hey, I'm from St. Louis, so it feels like that's the one city you guys are missing in the sort of the kind of the Midwest, uh, the Midwest, uh, you know, small market yeah. of uh, of locations. By the way, I'm contractually obligated to say major cities. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Under Armour. More key markets. Yeah, I'll get the Nielsen ratings out. We can uh, go through the, yeah. the ratings of these. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, I'm doing the Purdue Fort Wayne preview this season and i had a conversation with john kaufman so uh i get there there's no good there's no wrong way to go to go about talking to anybody because you know like i said we've we've had most of the uh, most of the uh, most of the coaches on uh with the noted exception we actually have only had three people uh, we have only had three coaches we've never had on scott Nagy for some reason darren horn still working on that one and mike davis because he scares the crap out of me as I say, Mike Davis but, is scary. I, I don't even like being in the same room as Mike Davis. Although I got I got a point I got a I got a point out with Mike Davis. Um, we had uh one of our new our Detroit Mercy writer Alex Corey had a, a nice conversation with him as well. So, uh, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm overblowing the being scary thing. I, I do know. like Mike. No, I I like Mike. He is uh I sort of get that vibe too, just because he's he's been around for so long. He's dealt with like the highest the biggest media publications, you know, from his glory days, you want to call him that at, at Indiana. And he, you know, he does kind of have like an intimidating persona to him, but he's actually like a great, a great dude. I know Darren Horn, another guy who seems like he's harder to get a, get a hold with. Cause the, like, like Northern Kentucky just as a program has like, they're, it's just tougher to kind of get inside nuggets from them that they're not always as closely reported on being, um, oh, so being located where they are. And, and what's our, <laughs> It's not just us having that problem with Northern Kentucky. No, I'll say this. I love Darren and it's not his fault, but that's the last guy I've talked to the last two years in this conference. So he's like, he's been the hardest to get a hold of for me who has Jeff Goodman and Rob Dowster, obviously guys who are are pretty plugged in, especially Jeff. 
um, and Brandon Goble, the guy who runs the um, you know JUCO verbal commits, he knows everyone on every staff. It seems like, and even with those yeah. guys peer pressuring, he's always the last one I get. But when I get him, I'm always like, oh, I love Derek, and I think he's actually oh, yeah. been on vacation, either the foreign tour with the team or with his family, the last two or three years during like the dog days of summer, which which, which is when I'm trying to write these. So. Uh, obviously, I give him a pass for not answering his phone call while you know he's across the pond. Maybe I it's shouldn't not. be uh, poking the bear during that time. Well, I'm the well, I'm the idiot who thought it would be a good idea because I talked to the Northern Kentucky's SID Matt Schaefer. A lot of Matts around here, by the way. I just like to Too throw that out there. Um, Solid name. <laughs> but yeah, I've been trying to hammer out because uh, it's going to happen. We're going to get him on the podcast at some point in time. Just kind of trying to hammer out a time, and I'm I'm the idiot who realized, hey. Uh, let's try the 20th and the 21st of September, not realizing the 20th was, you know, Horizon League media day because I have no concept of time at all. (laughs) So yeah, that, that works. Um, Also too, with, with the Almanac, yeah, you also, and I would be remiss if I did not include Lucas Harkins, who also wrote quite a few of the previews, uh, with the Horizon League, how did you guys kind of uh, coordinate the, the the preview writing on those? Yeah, we wrote. Uh, we split. I think he did half. Uh, well, I guess now it's not a neat half. There's eleven teams. But uh, how did we we picked hats or did straws out of a hat? I I believe. Oh yeah, there was. It was a pretty unbiased uh, selection process there. I know he wanted to. Do, he wanted to do Milwaukee, um, a, a program that's near and dear to his heart. So I let him have that. I was kind of bummed out because I actually have not talked to Bart Lundy. He's the only coach Link who I've not talked to. Really? Uh, we met him on twice. He's great. Yeah, Bart's great. We actually met up with one of his former players who played under him at Queens in the Final Four. And he just, like, hung out with us for an hour and just told us hilarious Bart Lundy stories about just what a you know, awesome coach he is. But he's got some, as Chef would say, he has, he's got some shit to him behind the scenes. Which I think some people see, but maybe don't skip the full, you know, authentic, uncensored uh, no, he he he's a he's a comic too, and I hope if you guys ever get him on the show, he opens himself up like Sundance does or some of the other dudes because he's a. Oh yeah. And obviously, when it comes to basketball X and O's, I mean schematically, I'm not sure. You know, yeah. there's not many better in the league. So yeah, we actually had him on last year right after he got hired, and I actually caught him while he was in the middle of trying to sell his house. So that was fun. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So he was probably hitting his life at that point. Yeah. Or I guess yeah. if he's getting good offers, maybe that was a fun time. I don't know. That sounds like a disaster. I think they were. I think somebody was actually showing the house at the time, if I'm not mistaken. I can't oh, remember. Wow. I'll have to double check. Well, selling but, is better than buying. Trust me. Okay. Listen, I've done neither. So I'm, I'm still a uh, perennial renter. So a lot of every Matt month. Dudek who just did that and then moved across the country. Can't confirm. Can confirm. So. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it was great. Um, so yeah let's get into let's get into kind of your predictions because obviously everybody's gonna have different ones we had them all the rest of the publications had them you have northern kentucky projected to finish first which is is not gonna be an easy prediction because i think if we ask any five people you might get five different answers for this we might actually have a different answer ourselves if i'm not if you ask, well, it's funny. I, I wrote this, and me and Luke has kind of toggled with it. I, I think I may have, I may even change my answer today on this uh, on this show. No, it, it's, I, I think it's a pretty clear log jam at the top of the leaderboard. Um, the, the the usual suspects in terms of I think Northern Kentucky, Wright State, um, but then kind of the new kids on the block, the party crashers with Milwaukee and Cleveland State, what they've done, what they've amassed talent wise under newish regimes. 
I think those two are also in the conversation. Youngstown with Jared Calhoun and the dominant job he's done in the transfer portal. I talked to Campy, who talked to Calhoun, and Calhoun like emphatically thinks his team is better than last year, which not all the way buying because a guy named Dwayne Cohill was a really nice player. Um, but I think they're in the conversation. And I'm always a guy who believes in Greg Campy, even though he's had a couple of you know turbulent seasons the last few, which have been largely injury and external you know, driven stuff that's outside his control. I mean, a healthy Jalen Moore for both those years. I mean, who knows where Oakland finishes, right? So I think there's legitimately six teams that can win the league. Um, so when I give, you know, one through six in some order, I think people always look at it as like a, a steep linear line where it's like, I don't know, like you could basically do a simulation and then I think any, you know, you'd probably yeah. see any one of those six teams with all due respect to IUPUI, Robert Morris, even Green Bay, who I think could be like sneaky awesome this year. I just don't know if they can make that leap all the way up. I think you know Purdue, you know, Purdue Fort Wayne, uh, and Detroit lost too much. And IUPUI, while everyone seems to be anointing them the darling or dark horse, I just don't think they have enough juice to to crack that upper mm-hmm. echelon. I I went with Northern Kentucky just because of the continuity they bring back, and they tend to be playing their best basketball by conference season with the way Horn plays which is so funny because you think the familiarity of the opposing teams in this conference would be used to playing his own by now, but just the very clear dichotomy that, he, and he's talked about this, when I call him on the phone, he's always like, you know, Matt, every year we kind of do the slow start and then we kind of get hot in conference season. And it tends to be tied to the fact that I just think guys master the intricacies of playing my zone. And I think you've seen that, that, that arc, that story arc of the season play forth the last couple of years. Um, so I think my prediction of NKU winning the league may look dumb for the first month or two. Uh, I, I think when it's all said and done, I just think they have the highest floor of those six teams, right? I think you could argue, okay, let's say Wright State gets Tanner Holden cleared with waiver, right? They, they actually might be a better top-to-bottom team. I think Milwaukee has and Cleveland State has even higher ceilings than NKU just because of the coaching plus you know talent pedigree intersection there. And then Youngstown State, again, same thing. Um, and then Oakland, if they all stay healthy and Campy loves his JUCOs, they could fly all the way up the top. So a lot of wider range of, of outcomes for those other teams. I just think NKU is the safest pick. So I, maybe it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out champion pick. But I think that's the team that's the best bet to finish in the top three. I'll put it that way. Um, well, I, I think NKU has the has, has the player of the year, and I think that makes it that much and easier. And that also, <laughs> exactly, yes, right? Although, left, right? You have Antoine I, Davis, Dwayne Cohill, Trey Cal. I'm sorry, uh, Godfrey. Um, to get Warwick back is huge, right? And then with that backcourt, I just think that's with a league that's been dominated by guard star power, sure. uh, to have kind of that alpha guy that's back is sort of your table setter. I think that's a separator for sure. It's funny you mentioned that uh, Marquez work is definitely, and uh, you can definitely make a case for him for play of the year, but the Almanac has predicted as the player of the year, Tristan and Aruna from Cleveland State, which is actually a name I have not seen yet, because it's usually been a kind of a healthy mix of either Trey Calvin or Marquez work. And I, I have to say this, because I have to say this every year, for whatever reason, I'm not as bullish on my alma mater, Cleveland State, as I probably should be. Really? Wow. I know. I but I, I do I, I do see an argument for Tristan and Aruna as player of the year, though. I do see that. Um I don't know why I never pick him. I don't know why I ever never pick Cleveland State as high as I do, but I don't know. It's it's years of being abused by bad basketball, probably. <laughs> <laughs> And there were a few of them, a few years. 
No, I mean, it, trust me, we went back and forth on... It was between, for us, Anaruna and Warwick, obviously. Um, I just think Anaruna gets a little more opportunity to put yeah. up bigger, gaudier numbers because they lose a little more. Not a lot more, but a little more. Mm-hmm. And I also think if you're a NKU fan and you're distraught by me not picking your guy to win the Conference Player of the Year, which I, I think if you're... I, I sort of took a risk here with this pick here, but I, I think it's partly... A, a blessing of how good I think the rest of the NKU supporting cast is. I think Michael Bradley is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, we saw what Horn did with a, with a D2 transfer in Xavier Rhodes last year. I think Bradley is an even bigger part of the offensive picture this year. I know Rhodes is more of a, not a game manager, but more of a, just a connector piece on offense, opportunistic, you know, player that was just awesome defensively, right? Just a steel magician. Um, you know, sure. Vincent's back. I think Vincent takes a step up offensively in terms of his assertiveness. I just think he's a wizard with the ball. So I think Warwick could basically have, you know, the same type of year, you know, production wise, I think we'll have a more efficient year because he has better offensive pieces around him. Cade Meyer coming from green Bay. I think people saw him as like one of the two bright spots last year. Right. I think they had two players that we liked like Zay Blake and Cade Meyer. That's probably it. Um, and then the, uh, what's, I can't pronounce his last name. The guy from Marquette, the, uh, I just call him. Okay, I, he he's a real piece. Uh, yeah. and I think it's you look at his production. It's like okay, he barely saw the floor. It's like well, it's because Marquette was insane last year, and they had yeah. two guys. They had two legitimate pro forwards that played ahead of him, um, and they also played more guards with the way that that kind of system has evolved. So I think he is a sleeping giant. All I say, there's a lot of options for NKU where I think there's a world in which work doesn't take a step back, but just is sort of. You know, has similar production, more efficient. But I think to win player of the year, it's more about the counting stats. And I think Enaruna is going to go 20 a game, you know, wow, have really? plenty of double doubles. And again, I think the talent pedigree started to really, that you saw the light bulb start to flicker on by oh, end yeah. of year last season. So I, that was my pick. Um, and I think Cleveland State also finished his top three. I think he got to finish top three, top four, top five to, to win player of the year, at least to feel good about it. I think, yeah, it's funny because last year before Enaruna got here, I was talking him up constantly because I knew what his capabilities were. And then once he started playing, I'm like, because there was so much talent within the co- within the conference, I w- probably wasn't as high as I should have been. Um, but as far as you guys are concerned, that, that first team, I think we're going to see all of those names pretty much everywhere. BJ Freeman, Calvin, Warwick, Trey Townsend, Enaruna. That seems to be that 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 five that set of five guys seem yeah. to be a pretty much a consensus as far as who should be that first team is yep. concerned. And then of course you get to the second team, it gets a little murkier. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a it's a wild card because I think you know you got to start factoring in okay how much does standings you know record matter right? I'm always kind of torn on that. Like part of me is like some leagues you can very clearly see a bias towards the top of the totem pole leagues get more guys than the teams at the bottom, right? Even when with the guys at the bottom have better numbers. Um, other, other leagues, that's not the case. And actually they tend to always try and like give love to the crappy teams that had guys that played well. It's sort of just like a participation. So I don't know the horizon. I can't really get my finger on like what the tendencies are. I, I try and view these more from my own personal, like, like value to team perspective w- with trying to keep the, the counting stats in mind. I mean, look at guys like Noah Reynolds and yeah. Tanner Holden have cleared. I mean, those guys are first team all talents, player of the year candidates, and everything breaks right. So I, mean, I feel like I actually kind of shafted them. I just went with safer picks on my first team. Um, 
And then, yeah, I chose Brandon Rush of Youngstown. I mean, Youngstown, you could choose like four guys. I, I just feel pretty confident they're going to have one of those guys will pop and will be a, an all-conference player. I think they'll be really good. Um, and I wanted to show IUPUI love, which, you know, not to pour cold water on all the IUPUI love, I think they'll be marketably improved. Sure. Um, but to see projections where they, people have them like close to like seventh, like sixth, like I don't think they're better than Robert Morris or Green Bay or – even Purdue, Fort Wayne, or Detroit, who lose a ton, like I, I would be shocked if they finished above both those teams. I do think Counter's awesome, and I wanted to give him some love. I do think he'll put up pretty good numbers this year. Um, and then, yeah, Sam Vincent. I threw, you know, courtesy love to I think my favorite all-around player in this league. Just what he does on both ends. Um, if he can start to make outside shots at a higher rate, higher volume this year, he could be again not better than Marquise Warwick, but like. You know, that, that backcourt looks really scary. It's more like a one-two punch as opposed to like a clear alpha and Robin, which is what it looked like more last year. You know what's funny with uh, Vincent is like, even just watching on TV or following stats throughout a season, I'd be like, why is everyone hype up Vincent? I don't get it. And then watching NKU it's an play. Eye test. It's an eye test yeah. thing for sure. Yep. Wa- yep. Watching them play at the Horizon League um, tournament last year, you're like, holy crap, that dude is everywhere. Like he yeah. is just, he's yes. just a dude Absolutely. in the middle of it all the time. And he hasn't been – his thing is he hasn't been as good against high-level competition. I think that's partly because he's just been younger. Um, but he was really good against freaking Houston in the tournament game. Yeah. So I mean, he couldn't make outside shots. That's been his whole – that's been his final frontier. But if he does that, I mean, I think that's that's where he goes the next level. I mean, to get five offensive rebounds, he got three seals in that game, 15 points. Yeah, he's one of eight from three. I'm looking at the numbers right now. That was, you know, tough. That was where NKU just – they make two or three more threes and – Holy crap! You're talking about a you know Houston bowing out early, but um, yeah, I just think that that team is so deep and so experienced in the backcourt. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Milwaukee. Um, sorry, not Milwaukee. Detroit Mercy. Um, you were the one who did the uh, did the yep. preview for them. How hard was it to figure out who they were? Who was actually on their team? Impossible. Uh, luckily, they have a great <laughs> SID, phenomenal SID. Who I'm named. Uh, shout I'm out to PJ Gurkowski. PJ. PJ. Top, top 10 SID out there because I know he, the last two years especially, Davis has been like very methodical to put together his roster. He got a bunch of late signings. You know, obviously Gerald Liddell is, is the guy who, you know, is like, you know, wasn't on the roster officially until like October, it felt like. Yeah. Um, same thing this year, right? Some late guys, late signings. And even and then, at this point, and then you also had like, and then you also had like guys you thought were going to be there, like J. Allen Tovar and Jaden yep. Coleman, who aren't even there. And I think like, for the record, they are. I think they are there this year, and again, I'm, uh, this is the one team I'm like, I'm going to get a diehard fan who's going to tell me, hey, so-and-so is on the team, and I need to follow with PJ, because I know this is a moving target. I mean, seriously, you are, you, even even the diehards are trying to figure it out at this point. It's I'm serious. Awesome. It's funny. It's actually um, pretty hilarious. Yeah, um, but Detroit, if you're, a, if you're a Titan fan, I think the story to keep keep an eye on is the, the Alex Shoku, whose name I'm probably butchering, his waiver. A guy who I thought would be important, but Davis, like, really – really underscored him as like the just a different talent. And I kind of had this yeah. not skepticism of drill the dogs. I knew he was a big time talent, but I thought he'd just be a piece before talking to Davis. And Davis was like, no, no, he's going to be like an absolute force for us. So given he was kind of like, he gave me the breadcrumb clue last year with Liddell. He gave me yeah. that same kind of inkling with, 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 uh, with Shoku. And so I think if he gets cleared, you feel a lot better about yourself as a, as a mercy fan who, you know, looking at life without Antoine Davis. Yeah. yeah, there's talent, but it does feel, you know, it feels like it's a very patchwork roster at this point. Don't you guys yeah. agree? Yeah. So well, see, the Mike, other problem, yeah, the other problem with him, though, is that he is a two-time transfer, so we may not even see him this year because he may not get even get a waiver. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He he has to get. Um, I think that won't be even decided for at least a month. Like we talked, yes. I followed up with, with Nagy about Holden, and they're not going to find out until you know at the earliest mid October. So I don't think wow. Joe will even know until he might not be a second semester guy. I don't. I, again, I, I sort of I should be more in the know on the rules and regulations and what kind of the patterns are with these. But the, honestly, I a, think I think everybody. I think even the, probably anybody who anybody who like. I'm uh, probably Goodman probably is like, who's like got his ear to the ground all the time probably because the, the it's so herky jerky the way and they're, they're the way this is the, the process is and it's so yeah. murky that you know people you thought were going to get one aren't getting one and it's hey yeah, Matt, it's let's, so Matt, let's talk offline about Holden by the way I just want to get that out <clears throat> get that okay. out there you and I let's have an offline conversation about the Holden situation <laughs> Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, he didn't give me much inkling. I just know that's a, um, you know, on on paper, it doesn't seem like that's a great case. I don't begin. You probably know more about yeah. that than I do. Obviously, then, player I mean, back, you, you can see why he, you know, he kind of shakes everything up if he's in there. And I'll be honest with you, I think if it, if it's past October and they still haven't made a decision, I don't think you see him next year, this year, and you just they, they punt for the to the following season. I really, I, I would. I mean, I, if I'm if I'm Tanner Holden, I'm not transferring to only play half season. That doesn't make any sense because you mess with the chemistry. I I, I know it's Tanner Holden, but. I mean, that, that could make, cause some real problems. That, that's what I, I think the chemistry thing is interesting, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I, it, it was. I know he was there, but yeah. It, it was arguably Holden's team, right? And then now it's clearly Calvin's team. Yeah. And so now Holden comes back and like, you know, what's going to be the packing order? And maybe you make too much. Uh, you know, I, I think in, on a well-coached team, on the best teams like Youngstown, it's like, okay, I guess Youngstown kind of had a clear alpha last year with, with Cohill. With, uh, but, but you Maybe I overblow like the sorting out the pecking order dynamic, but I think with those two and how dominant they have been in the last two years, Holden two years ago, Calvin last year, you could see some, you know, tug of war for shots and usage um, certainly transpiring. Um, you know, honestly, because I think they're going to have to, you know, they're they're a top heavy roster, right? State, right? It's very, very young off the bench. Obviously, AJ Braun and, and Noel came on last year and they have some other nice pieces, but I still think if both those guys are greenlit, if Holden's Greenland especially, um, they will dominate the Rock, uh, and so you, you could see some, you know, some slight tension as to you know whose team is this type of stuff. I don't know. I think it's kind of overblown personally, but you could yeah. see that scenario playing out for sure. Honestly, I don't know because maybe because of the year that Holden was at Ohio State, maybe that might have caused something. But this is also. Uh, the same team that the year before Holden and K- uh, Calvin were on this team and yeah. they made it to the NCAA tournament too. Yep. So, I mean, yep. it, it, there, there's some arguments to be made on one side or the other, but I guess we won't know until the NCAA finally gets around to making a decision, which uh, yeah. again, I don't know if they're going to make it in enough time to even make it worth Holden's time or even right state's time from a kind of chemistry standpoint to make this to try to work. Yeah, especially when you, again, like, you know, to see what, I mean, obviously Braun had an awesome freshman year, had a solid last year. He didn't, like, take a monster lead, but I think that's because Noel took a lot of his, yeah. a lot of his lunch. Um, and you got, you know, Huberguiste and Norris and, and Welch, kind of the, the ancillary supporting pieces there in different, in different lights. Um, and Nagy really likes his freshman class, but, but he is, I think Nagy's honestly been my favorite coach in the league for a while, not named Greg Campy. I just think he's <laughs> been extremely underrated, but he has been very vocal as to 
his struggles as a staff, as a coach, trying to get back to the level they were defensively without Loudon Love, without the size they had um, during, you know, the run from, what is it, up to 2020, where they just a, a dominant, I mean, the COVID, I mean, I think people don't realize how good they were during those two years. Like, they were beating teams by margin, especially in non-conference. Like, I think in conference play, they weren't, I and mean, they were dominant, but, like, they were crushing teams outside of conference just by insane margins, and I think they're still trying to figure out how to find some balance um, with what they have, because I think they have a very offensive skilled tilted roster. And it's just been like, they've been tough. They've been hard pressed to, I think, find that defensive uh, physical mindset that, that, that gave them that balance. I think made them the clear cut annual front runner. Um, because again, they had that, again, they had that balance on both sides, which is what you need over yeah. the course of the league. Yeah. And I mean, you, to your point, I know Nagy has been very, vocal about the defense at Wright State. So that's definitely going to come into play. The other thing, too, with Wright State, and I found this to be uh, true as well, is that Nagy is not big on, is very, he is very, he spent a lot of time over the years working with a short bench. I mean, there have been years, uh, most of the years that he's been around, I mean, if you play, if he played more than eight players, on his bench, if it was more than an eight-man rotation, it's probably because they were up by 30 points at the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, no, it's funny because he started playing a lot faster um, yeah. starting in 2020, and I think that evolution has demanded a bigger bench even more so. And on top of that, I think you're just seeing a higher prevalence of injuries. So as you go around the whole country, there are, I think, coaches who – are doing it the right way. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just my own personal bias, but I, I think you got to have depth. You got to have an insurance policy, a contingency plan where your second guy off the bench and your fourth guy off the bench, there's not a big drop off. You can plug and play guys because injuries will happen. And whether they're injuries where guys miss games or just nagging injuries where guys are playing through injury and they're not as effective, having depth ready at the ready is critical in that regard. Uh, especially when you're playing as fast and as up-tempo as Wright State wants to play. So I think he's looking to develop that bench this year. It's just unfortunate that from a near-term perspective, there are so many rookies, yeah. you know, after like the second guy off the bench. I think they're very talented. He actually thinks it's like the most talented rookie class he's brought in. So I think like Wright State, two, three years, really well positioned, especially as some of these super-duper old, like 28-year-old teams go back to their normal effective age when the COVID thing expires with the bonus trans, you know what I mean? So I think you'll kind of see that evolution where, you know, the teams going from freshmen to sophomores in two or three years are actually going to be really great teams like they were in the past where this year it's like having freshmen, sophomores, even juniors is like, eh, okay. I'd rather have the sixth year, fifth year guy because age at the mid major level just means everything. And you hear that broken record soundbite from, you know, Calhoun says it, you hear, Right. And and that's right. Especially in this age, the age at the mid-major level and experience, just having adults in the room that know how to play that aren't just a bunch of, you know, I'm here for myself, teenagers, that means everything. Uh, so I think Wright State's with this young freshman class ring in, if they can keep them, nurture them, harvest that talent next year, and especially into the 2025 season where I think you kind of see a return to normalcy. Um, I think they'll be well positioned for sure. If, and we'll see if Nagy stays, if he's going to be there that long. I hope he is. But I think he actually has a good blend of they're in position to compete for the title this year, next year, and especially down the road if he continues to 
you know, zig against the zag of, you know, bringing in homegrown guys, developing them, you know, allowing them to develop when he's one of the best player developers in the mid-major landscape for my money. So uh, we'll see. But again, that's more like it's a long-term narrative to track than, than the now the now dynamic. All right, Matt. So here, here's my question for you. We're, I, I'm Obviously, people need to read the Almanac. It's, it's so good. And I, I don't want to take, you know, break down all the breakdowns that you have in there. But if you're looking at the bottom half of the league right now, who is your one team that can surprise? Like, who aren't we paying attention to that? Yeah, we all agree they're on the bottom half, but like, who is your dark horse, your Cinderella from, from this league? It's Green Bay. Like, I, I think Green Bay, who we picked 10th, and to be honest, I, if I could go back, I might even put them up to like 8th. Like, I think Sundance, just given his his pedigree coming under Linder and how quickly that regime flipped the switch for Wyoming at, at a Mountain West level, for God's sakes, like, to come to this level at a program where Green, I mean, you guys know this, right? Green Bay is like maybe the best in terms of like overall like fan base size, funding, yeah. investment and program, right? It's probably like top two, top three, mm-hmm. right? Would you agree with that? So, and we've seen them with the fans, with the fans right? And I think the, I mean, all, I think it's it sets up to be a very, like unlike IEPUI where I think it really takes, it's an uphill grind to build toward the upper half of the standings. Like Green Bay can flip it in a year or two with, just what, what that program has to offer. And I think Noah Reynolds is being criminally slept on. I know we picked him as newcomer of the year. I know most people around the conference view him as a game changer. But I keep going back to like reading the local Wisconsin reports, fans from the badge, like they were devastated to lose him. And I think that speaks volumes. And I watched him at Wyoming when he was at his best. I mean, he is, I think, maybe the best player at in this league from day one if he's healthy. And, you know, within a system that optimizes his skill set and surely Sundance will do that for him. So I think you put Reynolds and Sundance at the forefront of that Green Bay team with the ancillary pieces that they have. Now, it's a little bit thin, obviously, but it's still I think it's, there's more there than meets the eye. You know, they got you know, Preston Rudiger was like his 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 uh, his stats are you know almost embarrassingly unexciting. But they he's like the ultimate glue guy. Every Valpo fan loved him. Uh, they got some kind of D2, D3 guys who could make big splashes. Um, you know, the Eli Jones kid from Logan, who's a you know top top tier of Juco. There's a lot of pieces and unknowns that people don't know about that are gonna be better than people think. And Reynolds is going to be way better than people think. So I think Green Bay is almost too obvious of a choice for me. I, I think they have real top five upside. I just didn't have the heart to the uh the gusto to throw them up there. So it I, I want to circle back to the whole concept of the transfer portal. Obviously, we've had a conversation about what Jared Calhoun at Youngstown State has done with the transfer portal uh, last year, specifically this year as well. He's not alone this year. There's been, there are a number of teams that are going that route. Youngstown State being one of them, Detroit Mercy, Robert Morris at this time. Uh, you even look at uh, Purdue Fort Wayne doing the same thing. Yep. Yep. When you look at those teams, is there besides Youngstown State who had that kind of success last season? Uh, again, Dwayne Colehill notwithstanding, uh, and I can even make the argument that there were there were time there were games where Dwayne Colehill wasn't even the man. Right. And no you had like because yep. yep. there were so many of them that came in. When you look at the landscape of those teams that went heavy with the portal. Do you see an opportunity for these teams outside of Youngstown State to replicate what they did, uh, they have done, um, specifically the success that Youngstown State had? 
Is there is there a specific team that can replicate that the way that Jericho Hung at Youngstown State have done? Man, it's tough. Um, you know, I I look at yeah, I I think like teams like Robert Morris and um and IUPUI, they brought in like targeted specific need filler pieces, right? I think they kind of had like they liked the core they brought back mostly. They brought in guys to fill needs where Calhoun's like we got everyone leaving. We got to turn the whole thing over. We're going to go out and get the best players, and we're going to coach and adapt to what their strengths are. Um, it, to me, I think Campy's in a real position to make a big move this year because I just think the guys that he brought in, um, he loves his. I think it's it's the most underrated JUCO crop of like not even just mid major, like even high major too. I mean, they have two legit top thirty dudes, and then DK Cole and Michael Rogers, who weren't even I think ranked in that top. Like they're I think very underrated players. We talked to Brandon Goble behind the scenes. He he mentioned those two um, as kind of underrated guys who weren't necessarily properly reflected in the recruiting rankings. And he brings in the uh, the stud shooter from uh, Hillsdale, the the Golki kid. And he also and Isaiah Jones, the, the cross the intra conference transfer from Detroit, who I think can fill a need. I just Horizon think- League, Horizon League crime. We love it. <laughs> That's right. I just think Campy because he's also done it in the like he was one of the first adapters adopters i should say of the transfer thing he's the guy who i think people are forgetting if there's a guy who can make it click and make it click quickly and make it click i guess by conference players it really matters i think it's campy and i think he's being slept on because of this sort of middling record he's posted the last couple of years because everyone doesn't see the Jalen moore injury and the other injuries they've had behind the scenes and they don't see the the pedigree and the caliber of the juco guys that they brought in and by the way, they have like four stars returning. And to be blunt, like I'm not the biggest Rocket Watts fan. You know, I, I think there's a real chance for like, you know, uh, Cole or, or Rogers, you know, to step in and, and be like a legit like game changer at the point of attack and kind of slide everyone else to the off the ball. And obviously if Townsend's healthy, he's a game changer on both ends. And, you know, Lampman and Conley are better every year. I just think that's the guy who, in terms of year one, who maybe is being or this year, who's being slept on with the roster overhaul they bring in and, and teams that lost key pieces Jalen Moore and Keaton Hervey who was awesome um well, and, I think Oakland's getting, good position there through all this Matt and you still haven't even mentioned the person that was brought in to be the starting point guard because he had, oh, a, he had an early, yeah. early injury yeah. with Tone Hunter yep. like that's a that's a roster and, and the other and again I mean I am an Oakland person that's the team I know best and I admit that so like I'm always going to be higher on them I think than most but I think what people are also not realizing is with all these pieces like Buru and Polk, who's got knee injuries, he's only going to probably play maybe 10 to 15 a game if they're lucky. But mixing that with Conway, what that's going to do is that's going to let Townsend, who we all agree is a first teamer in this league, play anywhere from the three to five and exploit the the weakness in the other team. You, if you've got a small small guard rotation, all of a sudden you're, you're, one of your guards is, is on Townsend down low. That's not going to work. Or if you put a big on him, he's going to run past them like, they're really going to look to exploit Townsend in this setup. And I think that with the depth they have, they're set up for, for success that hopefully yep. Oakland fans haven't seen. And Townsend's making, yeah, he's shooting well from the outside too. So you can play him at like a three and he's not going to like cramp your floor spacing. He showed, I mean, he didn't make a lot of threes last year. I think he hit like 38 or 39% after basically being a non-shooter his first couple of years. So yeah, I will, I mean, again, it's another wide range of outcome type of year for Oakland. And I'm sure you would agree with that. Um, it's a bummer that, that Bowman's not going to be around. I think he was supposed to be a pretty huge piece when they initially brought him in, just didn't ever quite work out. Um, I, you know, I got to hope Lampin stays healthy. He's like the ultimate, you know, this, he's the ultimate kind of veteran 
glue piece can shoot it. Also, underrated defender. Um, underrated defender. That's the first thing you've yeah. said that I fully agree with. Underrated yes. defender. The rest of it, you know, my problems <laughs> are well known. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like, it's sort of the, we always make fun of like the, yeah, there's a couple of kids in our high school team that were branded as shooters, but never actually made shots. Like, you know, Lantman shooting 31% last year. I know he was hurt, but still, you like to hit at least mid to high 30s. Um, I mean, when, especially the, the when team, you're losing uh, Herbie. The, the team actually had a, a social media post out the other day where they were all doing their campy impression. And that was, I believe it was Conway's impression was campy turning the lamp in and asking him if he's going to make a shot. And there was some colorful <laughs> language in there. Like, that's so it's good. a known thing. You know, it is what okay, it is. That's good. That's good. Um, no, I, I like that Oakland team. I really do. Again, I think Rocket Watch is going to be kind of the key piece. But I think there's, you can see Campy brought in some, again, insurance contingency options with Hunter, who, for the record, I'm not actually not a huge fan of. Um, I thought he had good moments at Long Beach, but again, he's kind of a non-cheer, one-dimensional guy, and he's already dealing with injury stuff, too. I'm just, the Juco dudes, I'm really keyed in on. And I think those are the guys that no one really sees because they're just tougher to track unless you follow the Juco circuit, which, to be honest, who does? Um, but yeah, Polk, Cole, Buru, and Rogers, those four uh, in particular, um, I think have a big chance. Two of those guys could be like, you know, double digit full time starter guys in an efficient role and kind of make everything fall into place for Oakland, a team that, again, has been just kind of slept on this offseason. All right. So I got one last question. Um, I'm, I know we've been belaboring the Tanner Holden thing for uh, a little bit, but I do want to ask this since uh, in the Almanac, he is picked as a second teamer. In the event that he does not get his waiver and he doesn't play this year, who takes his spot in the, on the second team? Uh, do you guys have any options off top? I'm just going to go through. I think you got to put, um, oh, man. <laughs> and that's, you know, I didn't give any love to, to the Mastodons. Just a wild card type team to me. Um, I didn't love their transfers. I'll be blunt. Um, I do think the, uh, the, the D'Angelo big is going to be pretty good. I think he's very underrated guy who sat out last year from a good Juco program. Uh, I don't think he's all conference good. I don't think they're going to be all conference good. Um, you know, what I really like is Josh Corbin from Robert Morris, like winning program guy that brought him in last year. He made shots. I think he's a little more dynamic than his role indicates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the justice Williams saying can go, that could be a home run or it could be a, you know, a golden sombrero for strikeout. Regardless, I think Corbin's going to put up big numbers for Mr. Tool this year. That actually was going to be my, my pick was Corbin. I just think he's going to be like a 15, a game guy this year. And that team should be close to the middle of the pack. Um, you probably, should, I think the right choice is probably another Milwaukee guy, but you just don't know with Milwaukee, right? There's such a, they're so good because you don't know who's going to beat you night in, night out. Like Freeman kind of came on late, but I mean, how many times did Pullian or, or Browning or God, I mean, Jameson's the guy who I think everyone's put, has an eye on, like he could really be sure. a breakout guy. Um, and their transfers are sneaky good too. They're, they're, I guess my answer is insert Milwaukee player who plays the best, not named BJ Freeman. That's my gotcha. answer to your question. <laughs> Ironically, I have because uh, I actually created a Tanner list and a non-Tanner list uh, for both uh, for mine for preview week. I will say yeah, I'm, I, missing. I'm sure I'm missing. I, oh, I mean, uh, Noel Noel's in there too, right? He could yeah, be double. I, I actually swapped. Yeah. I actually swapped out uh, as uh, Brandon Noel actually is on my second team. Uh, in my, on my non-Tanner list. Because actually. without Holden, you're right, he gets all those. I mean, without Holden, he's probably like 15 and 10. Yeah. Um, and they'll play through him in the post. That's actually, you, you're right. You got that correct, and I screwed that up. I'll have to uh, 
revoke my answer and revise later. Um, <laughs> <the> right <laughs> All right. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, the rest of my brethren will see the same wing. But we'll, you'll have to find out in a couple weeks, folks. All right. Well, Matt, thank you, uh, thank you once again for joining us again this year. Uh, Matty underscore Cox on Twitter. Is there anywhere else besides Twitter? Because I know you don't like it that much. Is there anywhere else we can find you? No, I'm uh, I'm a hermit. I hide my 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 silo in my cave back here. But uh, you don't need to find me. You just need to find the almanac. And that's <laughs> at Matty underscore Cox. I have it tweeted and pinned uh, excessively, or just follow the better handle, which is Three Man Weave at Three MW underscore CBB. And if you're on college basketball Twitter in any capacity, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, yeah, please buy it. And then more importantly, let us know what we did not get right. Sure. And uh, and get back to us because we're trying to, like I said, I think we're trying to stick the landing without any major hiccups for year three next year. So I think we did better this year. Uh, but just like any coach entering year three, I think that's our breakthrough. 2025 is our breakthrough year. Yeah. CBBalmanac.com, folks. Go over there. Um, you can you, know, you can purchase and then have access to everything, basically, as we do, of course. So, all right. So, again, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, so horizonroundtable.com, that's where you can find our stuff, um, including including our articles and previous podcast episodes. Uh, you can pull us up where podcasts are available. And, of course, you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So tune in next time. Until then, thank you all for listening.